Please remain seated for this. Greetings, good morning, welcome, and greetings also to those who will be joining us online and who will later uh, uh, see the service uh, during the week from uh, the uh, cable services that our uh, church uh, broadcasts to. Well, the announcement, I think the chief announcement for today is that if you have smelled, you know, good food cooking, you're invited to follow your nose after, uh, after worship. Uh, the, the Sunday School and uh, CE committee is preparing uh, food for a ritual journey to Bethlehem. Uh, just to continue the pageantry there, inviting us into the spirit of uh, the movement toward, toward Christmas. So uh, you're invited to stay, and uh, I believe, you know, donations are, are welcome, uh, but it's, it's, it's really a gift to all of us to, to share together. So uh, we invite as many as of you present this morning to, to stay and join in this Christmas fellowship. I think the rest of the announcements are, have been displayed. They're printed in the announcement sheet and in the interests of uh, uh, time and everything, uh, you can attend to them as they apply to you. I guess the, the other one, just one other, is that Christmas Eve services will will be here uh, at um, I think 7:30 I believe, and uh, Jan Olivero will be. Pardon? And Bob Blackmore. I I'm sorry. You know the old man's hearing is so <laughs> terrible. Okay. <laughs> You will, you will sort it out. There's Christmas Eve here anyway, and uh, uh, you will want to be uh, here. These then are, are the announcements for the day, I believe, unless there are other urgent ones that need to be made. As people of Treaty 45 and one half, we respectfully acknowledge that Grace United Church is located on the traditional territory 
of the Odawa, Mississauga, and Anishinaabe uh, First Nations, and the territory of the Métis people, who have for centuries, time immemorial, a deep spiritual connection to the land. And our prayer is that we may continue to work to be in right relationship with our indigenous neighbors and to speak up and speak out against systemic racism and, and colonialism. I'm going to do a no-no and uh, light the central candle. This is our traditional Christ candle anyway, and I, I light it, symbolic of the holy, sacred presence that we gather in the midst of. This is the light of Christ, the light of the world. May his light shine brightly within each and every one of us, amongst us, and throughout all creation. And I invite you in the traditional words of uh, the peace of Christ to share what our brothers and sisters down the centuries have, have shared with, uh, with one another. Uh, the peace of Christ be with each one of you and also with you. And let us exchange that warm, warm Christ feeling with one another around the, the sanctuary this morning. And we go deeper into worship. The God of promise, the God of new beginnings, the God of comfort and hope promises us a new sign of hope and invites us to come to the Bethlehem of our hearts, where new birth becomes possible. Let us worship the God of hope, all poor ones and humble. 68 in the Voices United and Projected.
Our Advent journey is nearly complete, yet waiting continues with anticipation. We pause to ponder, to proclaim, and to prepare for what has come but is not yet fulfilled. We come to gaze into each other's hearts as companions along the way, discovering the love that transforms from the inside out. We come to discover love lived into a world too focused on division. We come to turn away from polarization to perceive the Christ in one another. We come to take up the challenge of affirming each person is worthy of love. Um, we light the first candle reminding us of the way of hope. We light the second candle, reminding us of Christ's path of peace. We light the third candle, reminding us of spiritual joy. And now we light the fourth candle to mark how love abides by God's grace. Let us join as one community of faith in prayer. We come to worship, welcome you, O God, into the center of our living. Where you live in our hearts, we make room for strangers and for friends. We make room for enemies and allies. We make room for our neighbors. We make ever more room for the power of your love. We thank you for the blessing of grace-filled love, knowing better each day how to share widely of the love you shower upon us. Amen.
Well, um, we've been on a, a journey, haven't we? Uh, a journey bringing uh, these two figures of Mary and Joseph closer and closer to the uh, to the crash, to the manger scene here at uh, the beginning, uh, or at the center of our church. I was going to begin, uh, though, if there, there were some children present, asking what their favorite Christmas movie is. Do you have a Christmas movie that you, your family watches over and over? Pardon? The Star. The Star. Yeah. It's a great movie. It must be, if you keep watching it. Huh? Isn't that, uh, you know, I wonder why. why. Why do you like that movie? How does it end? <laughs> does it end with good news? <laughs> well, I think you know some of the some of my favorite uh, children's movies like Frosty and The Grinch and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, I, I'm an old man. I, I grew up on Charlie Brown. You know, and uh, I, I I enjoy those movies. And 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 why? Why do we enjoy them? Right? Because at the end, things work out, don't they? Okay. There's something about love going on in in uh, those stories, and uh, we just keep coming back to it. I'm going to be talking to the you know to the whole congregation about Christmas movies in a few minutes. Okay. So uh, I guess we what we want to do though is to get these uh, Mary and Joseph closer. So could could you reach them, please, Marilyn? We, oh, okay, we are sort of ritualizing the journey, aren't we? So, uh, let's see, where will we put them? <laughs> I don't want to put them on the pulpit because they might knock them off later on, <laughs> okay? So, here we are. Christmas Eve, folks, they come to hear. And we sing.
Good morning. The story, this, this morning's story about what our, our gifts do is your generosity supports life-changing arts programs for children. Children are the most vulnerable group in Colombia. We all know what it's like to feel our spirit lift at the first note of music or to sense our minds being pried open by an enlightening radio or television show. Deep down, we know that art changes lives. For hundreds of children living in Cordoba, Colombia, art programs supported through mission and service gifts teach children about their rights, give them an opportunity to express themselves and promote peacemaking as well as gender justice. Providing workshops to children that teach them about their rights empowers them to think critically about themselves and their country. Through media, art, music, and theater, they learn about important social issues, human rights, and gender equality, says the Latin American Center for Popular Communication, CEPLAC. Children are the most vulnerable group in Colombia. 84% of violent acts in Colombia are committed against children. Two and a half million children living there work to sustain their families. Many are forced into dangerous labor. That's why CEFLAC designs programs in sectors hardest hit by poverty and violence. I told my mom that we had seen some works of Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, and Flora Tristan. I remember that they taught us that we must defend the rights of us women. What I like in general is that they taught us that we must make peace, says Emily, an eight-year-old girl who lives in Bogota and a workshop participant. Thanks to CEFLAC workshops, I'll be a writer. I will write things so that children will promote and defend peace following Jesus' examples. I will defend and promote our rights in my stories so that nobody can disrespect us or the rights that we have. When I am an adult, I won't be doing violence against anybody. And today's scripture is from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. The birth of Jesus the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the ch child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had given birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. Amen.
Thanks, Beth. Beautiful as, as usual. Well, are you watching Christmas movies, Hallmark style? Are you? Guys, are you watching Christmas movies? <laughs> I confess I am. Maybe I'm an aging romantic. You know, I even leak a tear or two when love does its, uh, its magic. Christmas movies, you know, they're, 
they're so predictable. You know, they, they have similar plots. They unfold and resolve in dreamlike regularity. There's always a happy ending. Love wins. Why do we watch them? For lots of reasons, I suppose. But I think I might have found the mother load reason that other, uh, underlies uh, other lesser reasons in the recent selection of the Grace uh, Church Book Club, The Rent Collector. Uh, what a story. You know, the Rent Collector uh, tells of a family that lives in the largest municipal dump, uh, waste dump in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. They're garbage pickers. They scratch out a subsistence living, scavenging, recyclable material. The family's real. You know? Key elements of the story are factual. The story is based on the documentary River of Victory produced by the author's son. And I was so uh, drawn to the story, I watched it, you know, and uh, it's an incredible story. But one theme which this book explores is happy endings. And the author Cameron Wright introduces just one fix fictional element to deal with that. He wanted to imagine what might happen if the gift of literacy were given to a family in those circumstances. And so wife and mother Sang Lai discovers that the drunken old woman who collects the monthly rent is a former professor of literature at Phnom Penh University. Sang Lai convinces the old woman to teach her to read and write. And once Sang Lai learns the basics, the old woman begins to introduce her to the glories of literature through some classic stories. And the first story, is the Cambodian legend of Saran, the Cambodian equivalent of Cinderella. Okay. Happy ending story to be uh, for sure. Well, Sang Lai and the former professor have an interesting conversation about that story. So the rent collector asks Sang Lai, did you enjoy it? Yes. Why? It makes me happy. Aha! Christmas movies make us happy. The teacher, as Sang Lai now calls her, uh, calls the rent collector, says, the story we've just read can be found in hundreds of versions all over the world in every country, continent, and culture. And that's true. Okay. They all know the story of Saran. Mm -hmm. The girl's name is different, and her circumstances will vary. However, the story's message is the same. Sounds familiar to Christmas movie viewers. Okay. The story's message is the same. And so the the. Uh, old woman continues, I think the, uh, or no, um, Sang Lai asked the old woman, why are there so many of these stories? I think the answer lies in the story itself. Perhaps you touched on it when you said it made you happy. It seems quite simply that as human beings, we are born to hope. 
sanglai, the desire to believe, to look forward to better days, to want them, to expect them, seems to be ingrained in our being. We all harbor hope, and that's why it's such a problem. Problem? Yes. Is our DNA to blame for this inherent desire to hope? Is it simply another survival mechanism? Is that why we love Saran or, or Cinderella? Or is there more to it? Teacher continues, I'm talking about the constant nature of truth. Constant nature of truth. Look at all the books, the plays, the movies. We keep writing the same plots with the same characters, teaching the same lessons. Why do you suppose we do that? Nobody has an original idea. <laughs> the teacher continues, or is the original idea so intrinsic, inherent, and ingenious, so fundamental to our existence that we can't help but be drawn back? I'm suggesting that writers can't help themselves. <laughs> our trials, our troubles, our demons, our angels, we reenact them because these stories explain our lives. Literature's lessons repeat because they echo from deeper places. They touch a chord in our soul because they're notes we already heard played. Plots repeat because from the birth of man they explore the reasons for our being. Stories teach us to not give up hope because there are times when we mustn't give up hope. They teach endurance because in our lives we must endure. We all want to be serene, to have hope in our future. Well, I also want to have my stories uh, end happily. There's a problem that keeps getting in the way. <laughs> I wake up most, most mornings to find out that I'm just an ugly sister. <laughs> Do you say that because not all our stories end happily? That, saying lie, is the paradox, the part that's perplexing. It seems that if we take these stories too literally, okay, if we take the stories too literally, if we expect our personal lives always to end with a handsome prince, well, happy ending, most of us will close our books with shattered dreams. Yet, on the other hand, and this is the part that frustrates, if we don't take the meaning, the meaning of the stories literally, if we treat them as simply entertainment, we miss the deepest, most life-changing aspects of these stories. We miss the entire reason why they exist. And I end the quoted conversation here. Cameron Wright gives us a lot to chew on in this conversation, and I think the insights apply to why Christmas movies appeal to us so much, and while, why the biblical Christmas story means so much to us. Uh, we might call the Christmas story the original, the original script. It captures our imagination, <laughs> and as for the church, the story draws the largest attendance of the year. Why? You know, why? We watch Christmas movies 
because we like happy endings, because we are creatures of hope. Hope is ingrained in our being. Christmas movies touch the depths of our lives. You know, I watch them, <laughs> and I analyze them too, okay? They hold the promise of new beginnings. In the church, we call that redemption. The movies speak of healed relations. In the church, we speak of reconciliation. The movies speak of transformation that comes almost magically, undeserved, out of the blue. In the church, we speak of grace. The possibility of having life-changing experiences, grace. And above all, the enduring power of love. The movies speak hope. Love wins because there is a constant and eternal truth in God's universe. Of course, you know, the cautions that uh, the old professor says about taking stories too literally, uh, you know, it applies to these Christmas movies. Uh, they could happen in real life, but we understand their imaginative fairy tale quality, you know, and we, we buy into that magical world without taking the movies too literally. Well, the same can be said of Matthew and Luke's Christmas stories. They are non-historical, highly symbolic material. They are typical of the birth stories of savior figures in all ancient religions. As Bruce Molina and uh, Richard Rohrbach point out in their, their book, The Social Science Commentary on the, on the Gospels, ancient descriptions of the birth and childhood of notable individuals were always based on adult roles and status. That is, <laughs> simply, exceptional figures require exceptional births. Okay? Well... We avoid the red herrings literalism has dragged across the pathway to the deeper meaning of uh, these Christmas stories uh, if we accept, you know, that they are. They have a legendary quality to them, and they do. That's fact. You know. At a literal level, still, the Christmas stories are what draw us, you know. They are beautiful heartwarming stories. And at their deeper level, they carry that life-changing capability. You know, in his brief account of Jesus' birth narrative, Matthew's really just telling us two things. That God is the chief actor. Okay? God's the chief actor who creates, who makes possible new beginnings in our universe. And secondly, that incarnation, <clears throat> the coming of the divine into the depths of humanity, the incarnation of the Spirit of God, is God's way of being present in our world. How do you write that into your movie script? Okay. <clears throat> well, you take out Papa. You know, you remove the human agency. 
Comparative religion studies have found that ancient savior figures were all said to have exceptional births, and numbers of them were said to have had virgin births. Virgin birth has to do with the function of the individual, not with the DNA of that person. And so Matthew begins with, by putting Joseph on the shelf. You know, he's living a nightmare. He's engaged to marry. Engagement in ancient culture was virtually the same as being married. It was contractual. Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, Matthew tells us. Uh, the readers hear this. <laughs> Joseph doesn't know that. You know, he's living in our world. He's living the literal story. He could only conclude that Mary was unfaithful. He was a righteous man. That meant he followed religious law religiously. And religious law did not allow him to forgive and forget. You know, the penalty for adultery on the woman's part was stoning okay, to death. Okay. I don't know if it happened, but that's, that's what the law said in that ancient patriarchal culture. Uh, but Joseph's righteousness was not confined to that law. He was uh, thankfully not a literalist. You know, he had compassion. He didn't want to humiliate uh, Mary with public divorce. He would do it quietly. This would give the rightful father an opportunity to claim the child. You know, and that's how it was you know, at the literal level of the story. So he went to bed with his nightmare. And like a Christmas movie, abracadabra, you know, his nightmare evolved into a dream with wonderful new possibilities. He's told that Mary's child was from the Holy Spirit, from God. He would be Emmanuel, God with us, the one who will save his people. And so in this dream, his personal nightmare is transformed by the Spirit into God's dream. The dream of a new creation, of the new beginning. So in the morning, Joseph awoke with the merging reality that all he had to do was trust. Have faith, trust. And he did. In this respect, Matthew presents Joseph as the prototype of all of us who at times are totally mystified by life. We're at loose ends or dead ends. We're wondering what to do. You know, can we move ahead? Can we trust? Dare we trust? And the Christmas story says, yes, you can trust because hope is ingrained in your being that, that is in the hope that is ingrained in our being is authored by a benevolent God. This underlying hope is the work of God's Spirit within us. This God-given embedded hope then frees us to move ahead in a world without fear, to move ahead with love. Shelving Joseph also underlies the universal truth that human beings really don't initiate their own salvation. They just cooperate with God in it. They don't and can't save themselves and don't even need to try. And uh, yet, you know, Paul, the apostles, encourages his people to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. But that working out is always 
a response to God's grace, not an initiative, not the initiating act. Uh, God takes that. We self-reliant beings find that hard to accept, and we strongly resist it. You know, we will go to great lengths to attempt to, to save ourselves when the answer lies so close to us if we will only receive the grace of God. And when we do, when we take that truth seriously, we receive the deep experience of God's transforming love. We find that the same spirit that empowered Jesus lives in us and empowers us to make new beginnings. Why are we drawn back to the Christmas story? Because here is the story of the foundational hope and the universal love at the heart of all things. It's because God's foundational love is present in all creation we have the possibility of authentic hope. Yes, it's sort of like Christmas movies, but it's different in the sense that it is far, far deeper. It goes deep down into that foundational hope. You know, hope is ingrained in our being because we can't help it. We can't help it because at the heart of the universe, God's inherent love and goodness loves, and thus we trust. And in response, we're called to incarnate love in our lives. In a deep sense, Jesus' story is our story. You know, he is birthed by the Spirit, born of the Spirit, reaffirmed by the Spirit at his baptism, led by the Spirit into the wilderness of temptation. In the Spirit lived the way of redemptive love, called his people to be transformed by that love. He offered his life as a supreme example of that love, died, was resurrected into a new creation. That's the pattern of all life. And that's what we are called to, to uh, nurture and live. This is the hope that the Spirit of God places within us. And it all begins when the universal, timeless love of God, the love of God, redemptive love of God, present from the beginning of, of creation, is born amongst us at Christmas. Yeah, we're part of the movie, God's movie. Amen, and Merry Christmas. Dream a dream. More of a...
all our living and all of our giving is a response to the love of God present in creation that we experience in the loves of our lives and in the sharing of our lives, the offering at this time. How wonderful is your gift of love, O oh God, and what an opportunity it is to share in that by giving ourselves our time, our service, our gifts. Bless them that they may bring hope to this world. Amen. We continue in prayer, and as we do, uh, you will notice the uh, form of the Lord's Prayer that's projected on the screen is the contemporary ecumenical form of the prayer. However, uh, you know, ingrained in our hearts is the Elizabethan uh, language of the prayer. So whatever is your preference, we will have a little bit of the babble of Pentecost during the Lord's Prayer. We pray. God of new beginnings, God of comfort and joy, God of promise, we give you thanks for every moment of our lives. We give you thanks for the wind and the cold of winter, for stars and planets and glowing moon, for the earth we walk on, for the food and water and air that sustains us, for warm and safe homes and safe communities, for our loved ones and for all the people who enrich our lives. We thank, give you thanks for wrapping paper and bright ribbons, for cards and notes that remind us of friends near and far, for carols of joy that fill our hearts and open our hearts, even as we await your promised coming. And above all, we give you thanks 
for your gift of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, your spirit amongst us, within us, and abroad. We give thanks for all your gifts to us and the world. And now we turn to the world. God of comfort joy, and joy, God of promise, God of new beginnings, we trust in your promises of healing and salvation. And still we wait for your coming among us. We see signs of brokenness, of heartache, of desolation and grief on every street corner and hidden in every heart. In this season of cold, short days and long, cold nights, we pray that you will make a place for every man and woman and child who searches like Mary and Joseph for a place to call home, who yearns in vain for a warm, familiar bed. Like Jesus who wept over Jerusalem, we weep for the people of Ukraine, for the people of natural disasters, people suffering from famine, from cruel regimes. We wonder how heartless evil gets inflicted upon so many innocents and how it can ever end. We, demand, we lament the desperation of refugees, victims of war, sufferers of poverty, famine, racism, and unjust governments. We pray that you will comfort those in hospitals and care homes, comfort those who are approaching death, all who mourn or live in daily pain, all who are broken in body, mind, and spirit. We pray for those amongst us, our friends in hospital, that they may sense through the care of the medical staff your healing love. Above all, we pray that you will keep your promise to live among us and fill the earth with grace and with peace. God of comfort and joy, God of promise, God of new beginnings, God of hope and healing, in silence we bring our deepest, deepest personal prayers to you. All these prayers we offer in the name of the one whom we celebrate this Christmas time, Jesus. And as he has taught us, we say together, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forevermore. Amen. Joy is now in every place.
going to have the blessing, then a prayer for the meal, and then you will be called to the journey. Now, let us go into the world with that love of God, that grace, that hope, deep, deep within our being. Let us take it with confidence into the world where we live, where we work, where we play, where we suffer, where we triumph. Go with the love, the peace, the hope, the joy of God. Amen. And we pray. Gracious God, as we now ritualize the journey to Christmas through the journey to Bethlehem and enjoy food on that journey, we ask that you will bless our time together. Take us deep, deep into the spiritual nature of this season and transform us as we laugh together, share conversation, and enjoy some good food. Amen.